Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Wonderful. Welcome to Wonderful. This is a podcast where we talk about things that are good, things that we like, things that we are into. It is Wednesday, my dudes, when you hear this. It oh, okay. Is Tuesday. <laughs> you gave me like a, like a bolt of panic. No, my dudes, it is, sorry, it is Tuesday, my dudes. When you hear this, it is going to be Wednesday, yes. my dudes. You will know the results of the midterm elections that Rachel and I oh, are currently man. kind of like chilling in. Oof. And for that, I am maybe jealous. Jealous of future you you all. Um, we don't know which way things are going to go down. It's not a particularly fun thing to think about. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't tell you to vote because it's too dang late. <laughs> we hope you did. We hope we sure as heck hope you did. Uh, I just knocked it out. Unsurprisingly, DC has its shit together when it comes to, you know, well, exercising your democratic. <laughs> Not a lot of candidates or, you know. That is true. Or a lot of, I think there were like eight, nine things on the ballot total. Yeah, I was going to say, like, without uh, representation, I don't imagine that ballot's very full. Yeah, it's mostly sort of DC focused, but um, <laughs> still, it was bing, bang, boom. In and out of there, no problem. Yeah, at so all. this it is a holiday here. It is, uh, and so everything, you know, consequential to us is shut down. Sure, and by that I mean our son's school, right? Which is acting as a polling place. Now, when I was a kid, I don't know if this was true for you, but like the school was still open. People yes. were were coming, were coming into <laughs> yeah. where I was trying to do my work. Can you imagine the safety concerns associated with that? Now that I'm looking at it in my head, well, there wasn't like, there wasn't any like crime back in the oh, 90s. Okay, yeah, yeah. I always forget crime is a pretty <laughs> new thing. Um, no, yeah, that I just remember like our teachers were like, "You have to be quiet in the hallway. People are voting." Yeah. And we did. I would be like, "Why aren't we doing PE?" And they'd be like, "Because that's the room where they're deciding who the president's going to be." <laughs> you were like, "Sweet!" I was like, "Cool!" I didn't know that that was so. Uh, that Miller Elementary School was sort of the <laughs> the nexus for uh, the country's political soul. But anyway, uh, yeah. So we're we're you know we're here. We're going to do our dang thing, uh, and we we hope that you enjoy our our japes. <laughs> Very formal all of a sudden. Do you have a small wonder for me to hear? I do, actually. Okay, I thought good. of it just a moment okay, ago. Okay, good. It is when you put on an article of clothing that you think, or you're pretty sure, that your partner is going to like. Yeah. Are you currently wearing an article of clothing that you think I like? Yeah. That's flannel, isn't it? I love you <laughs> in a flannel. Yeah. It's uh, good stuff. I thought generally this is probably something a lot of couples share where it's like, you know, you have like a preferred item of sure. clothing that your partner wears and you're like, I'm real excited to put this on because yeah. I know my partner is going to like it. Yeah. Every time I – and it'll probably be a while before you see these things again because, you know, winter is coming. But when I throw on those five-inch inseam chugs, <laughs> I know – I know that you like out. what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the seven and a half inchers, those are – I think pretty. They look pretty good. Make my stuff look great. But those five inches, boy, that's a an extra couple inches of thigh. I don't know. It's, it I can't really explain it. drives you wild. <laughs> um, I am gonna say hot tubbing in the cold times, yeah. baby. I went to Denver with some friends uh, back home from Austin, and uh, we we rented a place in Denver that had like a 
rooftop hot tub, and it was so choice. It was very cold outside. It had just snowed the day before we all got in, and uh, it's 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 really I can't understand why it is as uh, delightful as it is, but just being having your head be real cold while your body's real hot, I like that for some reason. Yeah, no, it sounds good. It's also nice to do with buds because it's like a shared. You know, communal warmth, you know? We're all warm <laughs> together. Okay. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it seems awfully intimate all of a sudden. Of course it is. It's a hot tub. Yeah. Um, I go first this week, I believe. Okay. I'm going to talk about immersive art. Oh, here we go. Immersive art. What if when you saw the painting, you could go into it, and now you were the painting too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you know the there question. was a whole was it van gogh was that the whole thing for a while was making the rounds that's still making the rounds and i I'll, i will get back to it because that is a big one the immersive yeah. van gogh experience that i believe has been in every major metropolitan area on the planet earth yeah. um but this past weekend when i was in denver i consumed more sort of immersive art than i think is probably wise to consume in a like 24 hour period uh, Do you I'm, find now that you're like in in regular society, you're like you feel like everything is maybe art? I am wondering if I still am in David Byrne's theater of the mind. Uh-huh. Like my like uh, my body is still there, and like this is just like part of it. Do you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> I worry about that sometimes. Now I did get a phone call that was like Griffin's coming back. Continue the experiment. He'll be different. So freak is fucking bean man. Um, I'm going to be stretching the boundaries of, of the term immersive art just a little bit because I think that the the sort of crossover between uh, a more traditional immersive art experience like the Van Gogh thing you mentioned and interactive theater like the David Burns Theater of the Mind, uh, I, I think that there is a lot there to talk about and it kind of scratches the same itch for me. So uh, this I don't know. I, I'm assuming you know this. Um, it probably doesn't surprise anyone. Uh, interactive theater makes me uncomfortable. Sure. I am talking specifically about uh, interactive maybe isn't the right word. Maybe like uh, it's explorable th- theater, open world theater where not where you are expected to yeah. do lines and stuff like that, but where you are, uh, you, you know, no longer a passive observer of the thing, but rather uh, the element that makes the art become activated, right? Okay, yeah, I like that. Now, I like that distinction because for me, the thing that I don't like is when you are called upon to interact and all eyes in proximity turn towards you. And yeah. that, I do not love that. There was some of that in David Burns' Theater of the Mind. Much <laughs> much to the chagrin of some of our <laughs> friends who uh, do not rock like that at all. Um, but to sort of focus in on immersive art, you're, you, I feel like everybody is seeing this pop up everywhere now. Uh, specifically that Van Gogh experience that you mentioned. I feel like everybody has been served a an ad for that on Facebook and Instagram and uh, what what have you. And I think the reason that we are all seeing more of it is because of just how kind of outrageously Instagrammable uh, those types of experiences are, whether it is, uh, you know, a more traditional like pop-up, uh, you know, pop art museum, or whether it is something like uh, the Van Gogh experience or, uh, you know, anything else that you can really enter into and become a part of 
Um, but it th- this concept of immersive art has existed like long, long, long before social media platforms were like even a thing. Uh, there is a, a, a woman, a Japanese contemporary artist who is like kind of a pioneer of what th- this this kind of expansion that we're seeing now. Uh, her name is Yayoi Kusama, uh, and she has been active in the art scene since like the 1950s. Her big sort of trademark series, and I'm curious if you've seen any of this, uh, are called Infinity Rooms. And they are sort of chambers where all of the walls are mirrors, and then there will be like hanging sort of polka dot lights uh, hanging at different, uh, you know, heights around the viewer who, you know, steps onto this platform. And then all of a sudden, sort of the boundaries of the room disappear and you're in this like infinite space of polka dots and lights and I mean I haven't participated in any of that but I know that the concept is still very popular well she is she is credited as like the the inventor of that because she has taken that idea and done like so many different versions of it uh in installations like around the world like in in uh New York City and uh in London and Tokyo and like Tel Aviv and she she has these infinity rooms like everywhere, uh, and she's obviously she's been in the ship for a long time and does a lot of stuff. But this is kind of like the big thing that she's known for, and sort of something that you see a lot of in in immersive art as it kind of expands as an internet sort of thing. Um, the thing, obviously, that I am currently kind of uh, obsessed with is Meow Wolf, which started out as a sort of artist collective space in Santa Fe uh, mm-hmm. and has gone on to expand to become this like massive corporation with locations in Las Vegas uh, and Denver. And I think two are opening up somewhere in Texas uh, in the next couple of years, Yeah, uh, which is very cool. Meow Wolf is uh, a... Uh, God, it is really, really tough to define. It is a world that you enter into, and it is, uh, to varying degrees, like fantastical and vibrant and detailed. Uh, in Denver, it's at a place called Convergence Station, and there are four unique kind of worlds with four different vibes that all sort of intersect, and you can walk around and check out. At your leisure, uh, there's. Can you help me understand? Because you know, I haven't, I haven't done this. Yeah. Um, are you given any guidance when you enter these spaces, or is it just yours to explore? It is just yours to explore. And um, is it like, you know, you can pick stuff up and open drawers and whatever, or is it all pretty cemented down, like? You know, no, I mean, it's very much in that in that vein, like uh, there's one world that is kind of like a library world and you can flip through the books, all of which are books about the worlds that exist in inside of this exhibit. And it's up to you to like kind of flip around them. There's like a there was an arcade game where you controlled rats with these little um, almost like RC car remotes and they battled each other. But it wasn't a video game. It was like an actual tangible sort of like thing in a glass box. Yeah. Uh, you you are heavily encouraged to kind of like play around. Were while, there kids there, there when you were? There were. Yeah. Okay. The Denver yeah. exhibit, from what I understand, is like the most sort of family yeah. friendly. Because okay. there is like also this vibe of like, you know, uh, hallucinogenics kind of welcome. Yeah. Uh, that is, I would say, maybe a little bit 
tempered down yeah. in the Denver version of it. I've not been to the other ver- other version, so I can't really say. Um, but it is incredible. Like there is a, a futuristic city street that you can explore and go in all the different businesses or go to the movie theater and like watch these short experimental Buckwild films. There's like this uh, neon castle with like mechs outside that you can sort of interact with. Uh, there's so much stuff to do. It, it, you know, you could be in there for all day, honestly, and, yeah. and sort of just see different stuff uh, the, the more that you go through it. Uh, and it's incredible because you feel like the experience you're having is entirely your own. When we circled back with our friends because we kind of got separated because <laughs> it was so big, we all talked about the stuff we had seen and like all of us had kind of seen different stuff or seen one or two things that the other people did not know was there. And that is like a really cool thing. Uh, and it really brings me back to Sleep No More. Uh, yeah, I was waiting for you to bring that up. In in uh, New York City, which is uh, sort of an interactive theater experience set in a hotel that you can kind of explore and witness the events of this story uh, that they tell, like, however you see fit, whether that is following one character as they go from kind of like room to room and scene to scene to kind of like learn what their arc is. Or maybe you just stay in one room and see like what what comes your way. Yeah. Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, like it is heavily encouraged that you open up drawers and explore yeah. and uh, really do that stuff. And and for me, like one of the most rewarding things, probably the most rewarding thing about art in its whatever form it takes is like catching a glimpse of the artist's fingerprints uh, or like their intent. And I think that is really easy to do. I think it exists in its purest form when you are, when you open up a, a drawer and there's a book inside and inside the book is like a thing that somebody had to write to be like one of many, many, many details in this much larger experience. I, for me, that always like gives me such a, such a thrill, partially because like, I feel like I've stumbled onto something special, but also because I know that somebody worked really hard on this one specific thing that not everybody is going to get to see. Well, and also you love like world building stuff. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like, and that's, that's literally like what is happening in these spaces. Yeah. There's, uh, I, as somebody who enjoys games, like it is, it is obviously like yeah. right up my alley. There is, uh, the, the original punch drunk is the theater company that makes sleep no more. They had an exhibit open, I think in Boston, and it inspired this uh, game series called Bioshock uh, because, like, the people who made that game lived in Bo- – that studio was based in Boston, too. And so, like, going to explore those worlds kind of, like, helped inform their their artistic work, which I think yeah. is also very rad. Uh, I think there's obvious criticisms about the rise of and, and popularity of immersive art where, like, you know, you should be able to have that kind of experience without it being like a giant facility that you walk around in and snap pictures of and all of that jazz, right? Like you should be able to discover artist intent just by looking at a sculpture or a painting yeah, or whatever. What's interesting that is that we kind of, we both had our own little experience this weekend because yes. I went to National Gallery of Art here yeah. in DC, which is a very like traditional like art gallery kind of experience. Right. Um, 
which can still, as you mentioned, be very powerful. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it it's wild to think that you were... Having a, a, a <laughs> kind of different... I mm-hmm. think it's uh, it's a totally different thing. I think once this... Once you enter into this cross-section between art and entertainment and interactivity, like, it's, it is it is a different thing, where it is less about sort of uh, logic and, uh, you know, having... I think you have to have, like, some knowledge of art history to really be able to do the work of, like, art appreciation when you are at a more traditional museum. This is way more accessible than that. And that doesn't make it better, of course, but like for me it does. Like for <laughs> me, I I uh I can't I can't get enough of it. I I wanna go back yeah. to Meow Little Wolf. I want to check out all that stuff. I think I'm good on theater of the mind. I think uh <laughs> we I got my my being freaked by David Byrne sufficiently. Uh yeah. but um yeah. I it's it's obviously I'm combining a few different things under this one much larger umbrella. But it's something that gets me really excited. So that's immersive art. <laughs> also makes you sound like a sort of like a smart like yeah. guy like guy. Yeah. Like I could be a teacher of like a teacher <laughs> at some sort of prestigious university. Yeah, like you'd walk in first day of class and write your name on the board and be like mm-hmm. immersive art. Yeah. And I'm wearing Welcome. like all corduroy. <laughs> yeah. Every time I take like a step, it's just like whoop. Corduroy blazer, tie, button down, socks. Underwear. Underwear. Hey, can I steal you away? Yes. Good. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's Factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain hi i'm jackie cation Hello, I'm Lori Kilmerton. We do a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it anytime you want it because there's hundreds of episodes. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing comedy forever, and we should both quit. So why don't you listen up <laughs> before we leave this not only terrible business, but this awful world. And find out why we can't. <laughs> because we love it so. <laughs> Jackie and Lori Show, every week here on MaximumFun.org. Hi, it's Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. I am breaking into this programming to say thank you to MaxFun's members. Your purchases in this year's post Fun Drive patch sale raised over $50,000 for Trans Lifeline. Maybe you already know about the good work that Trans Lifeline does. If you don't, they're a trans-run organization that offers direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. If you want to learn more about the work Trans Lifeline does or support them further, go to translifeline.org. Thanks for supporting Maximum Fun. Thanks for supporting Trans Lifeline. And thanks for being awesome people who want to do good in the world. Hi. Hi, what do you got? Uh, so my thing is podcasts. Rachel, <laughs> you can't do that on the thing. This is the thing. I have talked about interview podcasts uh, as a wonderful thing. But I think what really made me think about like stepping back and just talking about podcasts generally is that I am in a position now to like ride a train you know, from place to place. Yeah. Basically for the first time regularly since the year 2007. Yeah. And in the year 2007, what I listened to and then like what I listened to and how I listened to it, very different. Yeah, sure. I had, um, I bought myself my very first iPod in uh, 2005 or 2006. Um, And it was like a, a nano. Yeah, sure. Uh, and at that time, I'm pretty sure all I had was This American Life. Yeah. Like I had music, obviously, but like the only podcast I was listening to was that. And now... <laughs> now you have a few. Now when I get on a train, it's just like, it's endless. Yeah. Um, and it just made me think about how grateful I am for it. Yeah. You, know? you listen to more podcasts than I think anybody I know. Because it's all... I always... Like, if you're not in a meeting... You're, yeah. I feel like you have a podcast on. No, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know anybody else that consumes as much as I do. 
It's, it's cool. I mean, you're putting food on my plate, you know, <laughs> each listen. I do. I do. I mean, I do listen to your podcast. I know. Except, except for the video game one. That's okay. That's okay. Because I don't speak that language. That's all right. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know, and I'm actually curious, do you know a lot about the history of podcasting? Not- I was wondering when you like did your book with your fam, if you like had to, you know, know about anything. I may have. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I was listening to podcasts pretty early as well. Yeah, that's so, why I'm curious because, you know, obviously the articles I read don't mention the podcast that you were listening to necessarily. Yeah. So I am curious of kind of where that falls in the timeline. When did, when did like, when did you guys start My Brother, My Brother and Me? 2010. Okay. But like, oh yeah, dude started in 06. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, this American Life is obviously also a a proto one, but that was also on the radio before it was uh, before it was on the internet on the podcast yeah. uh, network of your of of your choosing yeah and obviously like you know um, Sound of Young America now yeah. Bullseye uh, yeah JJ Go all that jazz yeah so uh, iPod debuted in two thousand one do you remember when you got your first like iPod two thousand five. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty. I was pretty late. Like, I was also pretty late. Yeah, did you have like an MP3, like a like a MP3? No, player? I just had a CD player, and I had like a, a several spindles of uh, burned <laughs> yeah. discs. It's interesting now because you're like always on top of the most current tech. But I guess when you're a young person, it's not like you can oh, access. I have I have some money now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the difference. Yeah, I have. I have. Well, you had your Zoom. Yeah, that was uh, I got that from the GameStop I worked at. Oh, okay. By trading in like a bunch of video <laughs> games. So it's crazy to me that that was like a real currency. Like, sure, of course. Like you could look around your room and be like, if I pile this all together, maybe I can get something else. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, two thousand four, former MTV VJ Adam Curry. Not anybody that I have heard of. I know the name. I just. Uh, and software developer Dave Weiner, not spelled your like dad, my, not spelled like my father's name, um, put together uh, an RSS aggregator software. So, like the the initial place where you could get podcasts and put them on like iPod devices, right? Uh, they were not the ones that coined the whole idea of podcast. Um, in February of 2004, a journalist put out an article. His name is Ben Hammersley, who kind of suggested some different ideas. Um, Wait, he just wrote an article that was like, what are we going to call these things? I mean, it was a big part of it, apparently. Um, Webio. He proposed a handful of prospective titles, including audio blogging. Oof. Guerrilla Media, yeah, and podcasting. Well, which okay, kind of seems like that was the one he wanted, and so he included <laughs> he did a couple the other of, ones that were. Can weird. you imagine <laughs> if when I met your parents, they were like, "What do you do?" And I was like, "Guerrilla Media, Guerrilla Radio, <laughs> turn that shit up." They probably would have loved that. Actually. Yeah, no, I mean, you would have seen like a real bad boy. Yeah, for sure. Which I feel like is something you've been going for for a while now. Thanks. Yeah. Um, okay, so then, uh, Libsyn. Yeah. 2004, uh, Libsyn emerged as kind of the first podcast service provider. That's um, what we used for a hundred, hundred years. Yeah. I mean, how long before anybody else came out? 
I mean, there were competitors, ob, yeah. obs, but I mean, it was it was first and yeah. uh, best kind of execution for. I mean, that's forever. how when we were doing Rose Buddies, was, yep. didn't we? Yeah, started on, on Libsyn. Mm-hmm. All of our shows started on Libsyn. Uh, so two thousand five, um, Apple introduced podcasts into iTunes four point nine and builds this directory so you can search in two thousand five. Two thousand five feels quite yeah. early for that. Yeah. The podcast app didn't come out till 2012. Yeah. But the idea that you could go in iTunes and, you know, find a podcast yeah. by category. Um, and then uh, 2006, Steve Jobs, like, shows people how to make their own podcast um, that was at a nice conference. Yeah. He, he gets out GarageBand and he's like, hey, here you go. Yeah. Even you can do this. Uh, and then 2006 is when This American Life launch their podcast version of their radio program right um and then i mean it's it's like steadily increased that's when you see like ricky gervais and adam carolla and mark Marin. you know from 2007 to 2009 this is like idea of like you know even celebrities are doing it yeah and i'm glad that that's a change <laughs> that has stopped you know i'm glad that no more celebrities <laughs> launched any podcasts after that um, so only five years after podcasts came about, uh, Edison Research reported that 43% of Americans had heard of podcasting. Wow. Which I don't know if that was your experience, uh, in, you know, 2005 or no. seven. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even start until 2010, right? And so, yeah. but for forever, for a very long time, people didn't know and, and when I say people, I usually mean like, you know, older relatives <laughs> yeah. didn't really know what it was. Yeah. Um, and then what really, I mean, what really exploded everything uh, is Serial in 2014. Yeah, sure. Um, Serial was the first podcast to win a Peabody Award. Uh, and listenership just grew tremendously. Um, this is an article I found that said... Uh, the number of monthly podcast listeners in America practically doubled in the five years after 2014, from around 39 million Americans to an estimated 90 million. Hell yeah. Thanks, guys. In the five years preceding 2014, the same metric only grew by 35%. Um, so, yeah, it it was enormous. I mean, and also, I mean, 2014 was like... A big year for y'all too, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when we wrapped up Adventure Zone. That was very yeah. that was very much when um podcasting kind of became a very viable kind of um like only career yeah. for us. Yeah, and that was the thing. The the article I read kind of made the point that, you know, 2010, 2012, like the amount of ad revenue was kind of stagnating a little yeah, bit. Sure. And then twenty fourteen it just like exploded yeah. again. Because everybody was like, oh, people are listening to this and we can advertise mattresses. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I mean, obviously now it's, I mean, it feels just as big as ever, I would say. There's certainly a lot of them. Yeah. (laughs) Serial also was kind of instrumental in creating that like true crime podcast, which I know is real popular with a lot of people. Every other podcast, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it, podcasting is important to me as as somebody who benefits from its existence in multiple ways. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I just feel like it, 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 like, fundamentally changed the way people experience, like, 
I don't know, their time, their daily, like their commute and their work. And I don't know, I kind of always have a voice in my ear like all day long. Yeah. Um, Which is like fundamentally different from any other human being's experience prior to this time. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at like broad strokes, like uh, it wasn't, it's not like it invented like a new form of communication because it's like it basically is a radio like it basically that basically is like you're under the thrall of my voice and you're gonna stay that way for uh an hour or so and with brief intermissions in there for me to tell you about you know yeah burt wolf ford down <laughs> route 60 uh but at the but it, it, there's something about sort of the ubiquitousness of it yeah uh, especially once it was like integrated into well, and every how streaming platform and like yeah, yeah all that I mean, um, to listen to the radio, like there's some, there's such a small percentage of people that get their own radio show. Right, of course. You know, yeah. like you're getting to hear voices that you otherwise wouldn't hear. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something that existed when I was, when I was like coming up, like in yeah. high school. And so it's funny because that's the time in your life where you're thinking about like what your career is going to be. And I think maybe if it had existed, it would have been something I would have been interested in because a lot of the sort of like, you know, genetics of what we did as when we were younger of like entertainment and radio and all of that uh i think it would have been a very logical career path but instead we just kind of had to stumble into it yeah did and i mean did well i guess none of you guys thought about pursuing radio no well no not i mean you were broadcast i was broadcast journalism and i did radio for uh couple of years the uh college radio station which we've talked about before um but i don't think it was ever something that i wanted to pursue because frankly uh the way that the big sort of players yeah the like one or two monopolies that controlled all of radio the way that they treated their employees which i got to witness firsthand and continue uh, to and continue well no i mean he doesn't work there anymore Well, no i'm just saying that people that work for radio to this day yeah are not treated well at all um and so i didn't i didn't want to do that yeah Um, you know what's (laughs) to a lesser extent um, I mean, I felt the same way about teaching, <laughs> you know, like I, my, not just my, my mom, but a lot of my relatives were teachers and I saw like what a difficult job it could be. Yeah. And I just didn't have any illusions about that being, you know, an ideal position for my mental health. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I never, I never pursued it, but, um, obviously, you know, it all worked out in it the end. Worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Uh, it's a great, great place with lots of podcasts on it. So if listening to Rachel's segment made you feel like you really needed to start getting into these podcast things, MaximumFun.org <laughs> will have a lot of good opportunities for you. Um, hey, we will not have an episode out next week, and neither will any of the McRoy family of products. Uh, We are going to be doing kind of a staff retreat experience. We work with a lot of people who help us to make and promote the shows and plan merch and live shows and all that jazz. And uh, we haven't really ever gotten together all in one place to sort of talk big picture stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, nobody actually lives 
within real close proximity to anybody else. Yeah, so we are <laughs> going to be doing that next week, and we're going to be taking the week off. But we will be back the following week with a new episode of Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So keep it locked. Oh, and is, there's still time for people to get tickets to see us in D.C. There are time. There are is there are time to do are it. Time. Go to Family. Go go click on the links. We're going to be uh, opening up a bim bam with Sawbones this coming Saturday at the uh, DAR Constitution Hall. So come out and see us. It'll be a hoot. I don't actually think there's that many tickets available. So wow. don't sleep. Yeah. You know what it was? It was like when old people were like, well, is one wonderful, wonderful is going to be there? Yeah. And, that's probably know, what happened. That's probably what That's probably happened. exactly it. Uh-huh. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.